You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to take you around the league with DJ Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback, and preview Monday Night Football between Atlanta and Seattle. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with former NFL quarterback Zach Robinson, now with Pro Football Focus. Zach, beyond what we saw last night, and the Eagles had some rust coming off the bye, and Wentz was a bit erratic at that one stretch in the first half when he went one out of ten. When we consider his body of work and what Tom Brady's been doing, how are you forecasting the MVP conversation so far? Uh, you know, I think it's fair, obviously, for for Wentz to be right next to Tom Brady in that category. When you look at when you look at throw for throw over the course of the season, I still think that Tom Brady's been uh, maybe not far and away better, but he's definitely been better throw for throw. Wentz has a ton of splash plays that you guys see. He's played uh, well in, in the spotlight games. You know, last night he played okay, but uh, he's had some Monday night games where he's kind of gone off and had some you know, great plays under pressure and, and all those things, I think maybe get a little more attention than some of the, uh, you know, some of the things people don't see throw for throw and, and uh, maybe some dropped interceptions that he's got away with. But I think right now, if, if you got to call it, uh, Tom Brady's been, been the best quarterback and the best player in the NFL again. There's a two, there's two other quarterbacks we can talk about. Uh, one out in Seattle, uh, Russell Wilson, I mean, he's the lead rusher. Uh, he's, they've been inept on offense when it comes to the offensive line and trying to get Jimmy Graham to come on. And, and then you look at the guy down in the bayou, uh, Drew Brees. Look at what he's been doing with this football team and how they've actually elevated their games. Uh, how would you slot those two guys when it comes to the conversation about the MVP? Yeah, it's close. I think I think Russell Wilson's right there. Uh, you mentioned him playing under pressure. I mean, the guy... The guy's under pressure on just about every other snap, it seems like, uh, and how he can pull that offense out and, and some of his Houdini-type plays, uh, you know, and big plays down the field, giving his playmakers a chance to make plays. I, I would I would kind of slot him maybe that next step. And then Breeze uh, has been great. He's, he's more not, not taking a game manager role because he's still hitting the big throws down the field, but he's definitely – uh, you know, just distributing it and, and getting the ball out of his hands. They got a great screen game and uh, they've kept things kind of relatively like really short underneath or, or over the top of your head. And, and uh, they've got some, obviously Alvin Kamara and, and uh, Michael Thomas, those guys that can, that can make a ton of plays for him. But I would, uh, right now, I think I, I would slot uh, Russell Wilson right ahead of him. Taking you around the league with Zach Robinson, former NFL quarterback, pro football focus. Zach, if I could take you back to August on this program, we were trying to project who could win the MVP award. And I was very high on Derek Carr coming back from that devastating leg injury of a year ago. I know he's been dealing with the back issue this season, but overall, what's your evaluation of the last seven games, merely nine touchdowns and eight interceptions? It's been a weird year. You know, he started off the first couple of games okay, and then since then it's been uh, really a roller coaster week to week, what you're going to get. We saw him at Buffalo, uh, you know, kind of have a clunker game there, and then Miami came back with a good game a couple weeks ago and yesterday. So it's really been kind of a week-to-week deal. He looks 
uh, just overall not as comfortable in the pocket. I, in my opinion, I think he's just kind of a little fidgety, um, maybe, you know, not trusting his protection when he, you know, absolutely has, you know, should be able to hang in there and, and trust those guys. Uh, and then you kind of look at their offensive scheme and what they're doing. They're a heavy, heavy, just straight drop back team. They don't have a whole lot of play action. They're uh, the least they use the least amount of play action in the NFL. So the kind of the whole thing all together has, uh, you know, led to a very up and down inconsistent year for Carr. I think he's still throwing the ball pretty good. It's just, uh, you know, a little fidgety in the pocket and, and maybe bailing out too quickly on some plays. Zach, I know the Jacksonville Jaguars aren't the topic of conversations on everyone, things to do and talk about lists, but you have to be impressed with what this team has been able to do a week or so ago. They played against the Chargers and, did everything they could possibly do to lose that football game and came out victorious. This team right now is competing to be the best team in that division, which truthfully, they're the most physical in that division. Give me your take on that team and how far you think they can go with this style of football with Blake Bortles as a quarterback. Yeah, I love them, man. I mean, when you just turn on and watch these guys defensively, I mean, it's it's the most fun defense to watch. If you're a quarterback preparing to play these guys, I mean, you're, you're trying to figure out, okay, where am I? easy type throws everything's a contested catch uh and then you're under heavy heavy duress obviously we've seen them with uh lead the leagues in sacks and everything and pressures and all that so uh it is very very hard to look on there and say okay this is how we're going to attack this team because they are so solid across the board uh and then you look at Blake Bortles it's kind of just up to him to just manage it not mess it up too much but he's still got to play freely uh to a certain extent you can tell that there's that uh, internal kind of battle for him to, to try to not mess it up and then ultimately ends up, uh, you know, backfiring. But I, I think they can they can make a run in the playoffs. It's just, uh, is Blake Bortles, what are you going to get with him week to week? Can you keep him in rhythm and, and the flow of the offense and not force him off schedule, uh, you know, where he kind of makes mistakes late in the down? Zach Robinson is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Zach, you spent time in Cincinnati. You know the culture of the organization. So much speculation about the future Marvin Lewis last year of his contract. Should we be talking about Andy Dalton as well? He's in the last stages of the guaranteed portion of his deal and effectively becomes a free agent at the end of the season. I think I think uh, Andy's doing fine. He's, uh, you know, in terms of our pro football focus and, and all of our, our data and everything, uh, he, he's had some bad interception luck on, on some certain plays, but he's definitely been – uh, kind of in the middle middle road of, of QBs this year. I think he's been fine. I don't, I don't know if he's uh, a guy that you're going to go say, okay, who else can we get out there and, and replace this guy? Because he has not been the problem. they got to get everything else around him. Obviously, the offensive line, what they lost in free agency and all that uh, definitely hurt. But I, I would say that Andy is, is the guy there. What they do coaching-wise, you know, it does seem like uh, it could be that time to, to make a change. After watching what you saw in in L.A. when the Buffalo Bills took on the Chargers, just doing the eye test without knowing anything exactly what's going to happen in Buffalo, should we see Tyrod Taylor coming up for this Sunday when they actually go on the road and have to play? Man, the I, I think so. I, I was, and, and maybe you guys are the same way, I was surprised when, uh, you know, that, that decision and what they chose to do. There. There's just – the, the, for what they want to do with Nathan Peterman, I get he's a timing and rhythm thrower, and they want it, but that's not what they have set up offensively. They need a guy back there that can make plays. They don't have a ton of guys that, uh, you know, up front can just hold up the protection and, and let these routes develop. They got to have a guy that can 
you know, make plays, and, and also he's very safe with the ball and can keep you in game. So uh, the decision, obviously, you know, has kind of backfired on him, and um, I would anticipate going back to Tyrod Taylor. Uh, you know, he, he's just too much of a playmaker for what you don't have on offense and kind of how you need to, to generate offense with him at the helm. Zach, last one for me. I know you are a proud Oklahoma State Cowboy, but if I ask you about Baker Mayfield, I'm looking for objectivity in terms of the draft process because I remember when you played at the Senior Bowl, you've gone through the whole experience. How do you think NFL GMs view his behavior in the Kansas game this weekend? You know, I think uh, I think they'll kind of gloss over that. I, they, they realize the – uh, you know the type of competitive guy. Obviously, he made a huge mistake with with taking it way too far. But uh, I think they'll kind of overlook it. They they know that Baker Mayfield is who he is. He's uh, you know he's a competitive, fiery guy that ultimately you, you kind of want to get behind as a teammate and as a coaching staff and as an organization. So I think that's kind of a, it's definitely a blip on there. But uh, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's a huge deal. I still think that this guy's. Uh, you know, has everything in him to be a starter in the NFL and, and even an early round pick. So we'll kind of see, uh, you know, how it all shakes out. But um, personally, I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. He is who he is. Guys like that about him. He may have, you know, a few things here and there that he messes up. But uh, ultimately, you guys fire a competitor and you want to get behind him. Zach, we appreciate the information. Enjoy Monday Night Football. We'll chat with you again down the road here on the NFL on TuneIn. Cool. Thanks, fellas. Have a good one. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. Touchdown! From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake at the block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Here's a touchdown. Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern, only on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's focus on today's top stories with former Falcons quarterback DJ Shockley. DJ, before we talk about Atlanta and Seattle tonight, have to start with Minnesota yesterday. Do you think, based on what the Vikings did against the Rams, Case Keenum will be the starter for the rest of the season? With this preface from yours truly, I do not think a team can win the Super Bowl with Case Keenum as the starting quarterback. (laughs) I like Case Keenum, man. He's He's kind of resurrected himself out there in Minnesota, and they're playing well. I don't know why he's not the starter. Uh, what they was doing is, you know, kind of unorthodox, not saying that he is your guy. He's led you to uh, where they're at now and lost two games. I mean, they're they're playing really good offensively. Uh, obviously, nobody watches the game plan or looks at the game plan weekly to see what uh, Alan Thielman looks like because he's crushing it every single week. But Case Keenum has done the job, man. He, he's he took care of the football. He's done a good job of leading your team. And I'm not sure with all the stuff that happened at the beginning of the year with Bradford that they thought they would be in this position. And to have a guy like Keenum step up and take the realm, I think is huge. And uh, I think he should be the guy going forward. And uh, I know they say, hey, that, that, that our, our boy is healthy and everything. But uh, I don't know, man. Teddy Bridgewater, we, we don't know exactly how healthy he is. He's just been clear. I don't know if he's ready to go and lead this team. And right now they have a – they have a good rhythm going, and 
The, the guy who's run the helm is Case Kidman. He should continue to be the guy. To validate your point, he's been off for a year and a half, and I know some may want him to go in now, but continuity rhythm, and rhythm matters. I mean, all you have to do is talk to Coach. Um, what's the coach out in Buffalo? Sean McDermott. I mean, look at yeah. the problem that he's created by moving the quarterback and Nathan Peterman in and knowing that you only had, what, three, t- three interceptions thrown by Tyrod Taylor. But we end right. up seeing Peterman throwing four touchdowns in his first eight attempts, and then he ended up throwing five total in the first half. How much of a bonehead move in the blueprint of what you should not do when you have a team at five and four, second in their division, do? That's, I mean, I think you have a great point. I mean, it, it was one of the things that caught, not just me, but the thing that caught the entire league by surprise that you're right in the thick of things. It's not like you're one of these teams that's, you know, sitting at three and six or something and you're trying to figure out your identity and your offense doesn't have any flow. I mean, I, I know he doesn't put up the, the big monster numbers, but he does the thing that you need most importantly, what you just mentioned is he takes care of the football, three picks, and then, you know, Peterman comes out and throws five in his first outing. I mean, it's, it's not what you expected. It's not what I thought should have happened, especially with a guy who's been consistent for you. Uh, I know you want the offense to have more explosive plays on the field, but he just brings a totally different demeanor to that offense with his mobility, uh, with all the experience he's had already playing. So I'm not sure why Tyrod was not your guy. And then to, to pull Peterman after what happened, it makes it look really, really uh, confusing now that you you pulled him in the middle of that game, even though he was throwing those picks, and you're back to the guy who you sat on the bench. So uh, Bonehead is probably the best to describe what happened there in Buffalo, and they're paying for it now. Taking around the league with our friend DJ Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback. DJ, we're all big fans of Dak Prescott, but what have you taken away from his performance, not only on the road in Atlanta, but what we saw last night, shaky with the three interceptions, less than 150 passing yards, and he lost a fumble? I think you're starting to see exactly how much Ezekiel Elliott means to this team. And when you have a run game, when you have a guy back there just as dynamic who can take the pressure off you, then it makes your game a little bit easier. And as a quarterback, we all know a good run game can only complement you and makes you feel more comfortable. Now, by throwing the three picks, he had a pick last week versus Atlanta that was terrible that got overturned, um, but it was just terrible. He's thrown it into coverage a few times. He hasn't looked as comfortable in the pocket. He seems to, to want to get out even faster now, and rightfully so. He's been sacked, you know, 12 times in the last two games. I mean, that's something uh, that you definitely uh, don't want happening to your franchise guy. So not having that run game, not having uh, more playmakers around you to help you facilitate the football. I know you got Dez, you got Jason, but it, it hasn't been that type of year when Ezekiel has not been there and not having that guy back there. Uh, I think he's kind of pressing a little bit. He's trying to make more plays. He's trying to fit balls into spots he usually wouldn't do. And he's usually one of the more careful guys with the football, as we saw last year in the beginning of this year. When he had that run game, it was all about, hey, let's get ourselves in third and manageable situations and where we can run it or throw it. Now you take no run game out of it, it's hard, and he just presses. DJ, when you look at the NFC and you look at Philly being the top team, being at, uh, what are they right now, 9-1, and one, and the Saints have run off eight straight wins. Uh, you also sit there and you have Minnesota who's playing really good, and then you got the, the second-tier teams, and which could easily be first-tier teams, teams like the Carolina Panthers and the L.A. Rams. Give me your take on who do you think is the best team within the NFC right now, even though the record says Philly's the best. 
Do you agree with them being the better team in that division, in that conference? You know, if you look around the league and you look at what New Orleans has done, I mean, that win over Washington yesterday was probably one of the better ones you saw. And we've seen over the years wins like that propel teams. And uh, you give a lot of credit to their defense throughout the year. Then they got kind of exposed with Kirk Cousins. But then when they needed to make some plays in that ball game, they did. When they needed uh, to get a, a big stop there on third and one, they came through with one, which is big. So New Orleans is a team I'm looking at as well. Uh, you, you never know uh, if Atlanta can get it rolling again. They can jump right back into uh, the, the national contention of who the best teams in the NFC simply uh, off what happens tonight. Uh, but I, I think Philly is definitely a top this league. And L.A. Uh, took a hitch last week, but I still think they're a very, very good football team with the way they can run the football and still play defense. Although if you want to parse the Rams' schedule, not many quality wins. Remember, they lost at home to Seattle in part because the Rams had five turnovers in that game and they couldn't do much on the ground after that opening drive that Todd Gurley scored the touchdown in yesterday in Minnesota. DJ, last one for me, Monday Night Football conversation. We know the Falcons won't have Devontae Freeman, but Seattle's going to be missing both Richard Sherman and Camp Chancellor. What's your outlook for the Atlanta offense tonight on the road in chilly Seattle? Yeah, and all the indication of is going to be some rain, maybe some weather issues. And one thing you got to remember is, the Falcons played in a crazy monsoon game uh, against the New York Jets, and they had a couple issues with, with fumble snaps. I'm sure they find some stuff to get over with that, but uh, you talk about not having Devontae Freeman. Seven Coleman is a capable guy, and I remember we talked about this at the beginning of the year and talked about how can you you know, keep a guy like Seven Coleman around. He's going to show exactly what he's made of. But the fact that you don't have both of them I still think is a big deal because it forces defensive coordinators to really have to prepare for both of these guys, not just run the football but out the backfield. And today you're going to ask a lot of Seven Coleman in the run game as well as the pass game. And you look at it defensively, this is going to be like a mirror image of both units. And uh, expect offensively for Atlanta to have a pretty good day. They see this style of defense every day in practice and the type of coverage that Seattle plays. They, they play the same thing the Falcons play, that, that zone look, that cover three look, and they just play it really well. But not having two guys in secondary uh, may vote may really well for the Falcons, with, especially with them wanting to throw the football down the field and expose what uh, the missing pieces that Seattle has. DJ, you see the Denver Broncos, they started off pretty fast this year, and as of lately, it's been downhill for this football team. Coach Mike McCoy gets fired. Uh, but with that being said, with Coach Musgrave moving forward, but with that being said, do you see the quarterback of the future on this roster for the Denver Broncos? Uh, you know, you, you thought coming into the year that, that you had a, a capable guy in senior who can get it done. You know, they bring back Brock Osweiler. They're still in search. And I don't think that guy's on the roster. And, you know, it, it's hard to, to, to look at how – a guy like John Elwood can't find that guy for that position. And, you know, when he brought Peyton in, that was, you know, kind of like a, a one- or two-year thing, and they end up being successful at it. But now that he's gone, they're in search of that franchise guy. And without it, uh, it seems like they really have struggled offensively uh, in the run and pass game. So this is going to be interesting to see what they do going towards the end of the season. Uh, but it definitely looks like they're in the mode of finding one of these quarterbacks in the draft and, and trying to groom one of these guys to be the guy. And also, if you know, if Minnesota still believes in Teddy Bridgewater, Case Keenum is making a case for himself to say, hey, I can be a starter somewhere else if oh my goodness. Minnesota doesn't want to commit to him. No, no, no. All right. It's, it's, it's a holiday Keenum. week, DJ. Let's end on a high note. 
we always appreciate you coming on the show. Have a marvelous Thanksgiving, and we'll chat with you next week on the NFL on TuneIn. All right, fellas. You guys eat good. Appreciate you having me. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Patriots fans, Tom Brady's first audiobook, The TB12 Method, How to Achieve a Lifetime of Sustained Peak Performance, is now playing on TuneIn Premium. As I was running through my typical football training regimen, I knew one thing for sure. I'd never thrown the ball as well as I did that day. In this deeply practical athlete's Bible, listen in as the five-time champion reveals his revolutionary approach to sustain peak performance that has helped him stay at the top of his game. My ability to sustain my peak performance over the past 10 years is almost unbelievable to me. Filled with lessons learned from Brady's personal training experience, the TB12 method also advocates for more effective approaches to cognitive fitness, nutrition, and other lifestyle choices that dramatically decrease the risk of injury while amplifying performance and quality of life. TB12 method focuses on developing and maintaining something that many people have probably never heard of muscle pliability catch the tb12 method how to achieve a lifetime of sustained peak performance by tom brady on TuneIn premium today this is nfl no huddle the podcast here are your hosts brian weber and cordell stewart we continue on nfl no huddle the podcast now it's time for my partner to let loose as we find out who he metaphorically wants to slash Cordell Stewart earned the nickname of Slash for his sensational versatility on the field, playing quarterback and wide receiver at a very high level. But that moniker also brings another dimension, a competitive edge that won't settle for losing. So if your favorite team is underachieving, Cordell is ready to present solutions. Buckle up your chin strap because a coaching staff and some key players are about to get slashed. Okay, partner, before I let you do your thing, let's revisit the postgame comments made by Bills head coach Sean McDermott. Asked, understandably, why he made the quarterback change prior to this game between the Bills and the Chargers. Well, I'm going to make the decision that I feel like is right for this football team. This is about, um, you know, not only winning now, but also in the future. And, uh, you know, um, you know, these guys work hard and, and – uh, you know, I felt like like I do every decision that I'm making is in the right and best interest of this football team moving forward. I mean, Nate's a mentally tough individual, like I said, and and uh, you go back and look at the history of games and and rookie quarterbacks. There's going to be some highs and lows. That's all part of it. Um, it's all part of it. And the, and uh, you know, the thing he needs to know is is we're going to be right here to support him. And uh, and and that's the important part of it. We stick together as a team. McDermott also shared more of his coaching outlook. You go, you go and you make the proper adjustments, and you go back and reteach, and that's what we have to continue to do. The game got away from us a little bit today in a hurry because of the, because of the, uh, the turnovers, and that's part of it. You've got to take care of the football. And so uh, within that, we have to go back and evaluate all three phases, which we'll do. Cordell, you have a lot of material to dissect. Where do you want to start? Where do we want to start? Well, you know, I was listening to Coach McDermott right there and listening to him talking about the team as far as the now and the future is concerned. And, you know, the now was, was this team was five and four and second in the NFC, AFC East behind the New England Patriots. Right now, they have pretty much squandered that opportunity because you get a good win for, from Baltimore, who went on the road and beat the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, the Steelers are doing what they're doing. We've got to figure out what's going on in the West. Um, and also you have what's taking place in the South with the Tennessee Titans and also the Jacksonville Jaguars. This Buffalo Bills football team right now, to me, with that move by Coach Sean McDermott, to me was extremely selfish because you take a young kid, 
um, like a Nathan Peterman, and you just thrust them into that furnace, so to speak. Uh, you have Mark Ingram coming off the edge and also Joey Bosa. You think of one of the interceptions he threw, I think maybe the early interception, when he drops back in the pocket, and all of a sudden the pressure actually start closing in on him from the top of the pocket, not from the top of the pocket, not down in the inside where he has to retreat and move back to find a softer spot in the pocket, but when he actually end up getting closed in, he start retreating as opposed to sliding forward in the softer spot of the pocket. He ends up forcing a throw, ends up getting his arm hit, interception. And then the other interceptions. I mean, I think he had four interceptions off of just eight attempts. And so when you start putting this in perspective and thinking about what Coach McDermott, Coach McDermott is trying to say to make his decision be one that was one he thought was in the best interest of the football team. Well, let me allow you to understand, Coach McDermott, it wasn't in the best interest of the football team. You just basically sacrificed because of selfish reasons. You and whoever else came up with this just courageous and genius of an idea to put this young man in into a hostile environment, not so much there at the StubHub Stadium, but with the pressure that you knew was going to be applied upon him by these two guys who are arguably the better two edge rushers in the National Football League as far as a tandem is concerned. You allowed him to go out and end up throwing five interceptions in the first half, which was pretty much horrible. Let's just call it what it is. It was horrible. There's nothing nice to say about it. Oh, we made some good plays. Everyone makes good plays, but the end result is you lost. Your team was in contention to actually have an opportunity to do something really good, which was since 1999, have some hope of being into getting into the playoffs. I don't think there's any hope. I think right now, honestly, I think the psyche of this football team, I think the morale, I think the energy of this football team, I think is extremely flat. I, I, I commend Tyrod Taylor for handling everything the way he did from a professional standpoint, because I got to be honest with you. I've seen quarterbacks play much worse than Tyrod Taylor that are still the quarterback of the franchise. Let's go down there to Jacksonville. Talk about Blake Bortles. Let's talk about Blaine Gabbard, who actually got on played with the Arizona Cardinals, had a solid game. Let's talk about him. How about Ryan Fitzpatrick? But here it is. Tyrod Taylor only threw three interceptions in three games. And we got four interceptions in the first eight attempts and five total in the first half by Nathan Peterman. Now, let me tell you, I'm not blaming Nathan Peterman. This is just a young kid, I think, playing it, going in above his head when it comes down to what he understands the National Football League way of playing the quarterback position. He has no clue. And if this is the answer moving forward, I tell you what. This doesn't shock me why this organization hadn't found a way to come close to getting into the postseason because I thought the window of opportunity, even though they lost two back-to-back games, they lost to the Jets, they also lost to a New Orleans Saints team, which this defense, giving up 47 points against that offense by this New Orleans, this New Orleans Saints football team, honestly, we're watching what they've done as of lately, rightfully so. The Saints is just a good football team. But you watch the Chargers, a team that struggled put up 54 points against this Buffalo's defense. You tell me what's that excuse? Coach Frazier, I need to hear some I need to hear some answers because right now you put everything that you thought was the problem on the quarterback in Tyrod Taylor's shoulders. And now there's five interceptions that's thrown, there's sacks, there are all types of things that's taking place in this football game and no one's really talking about the true issues. The issues is to me is the approach of the coaching staff. Why isn't the coaching staff getting this football team to play much better football? And then you make the selfish move to go to Nathan Peterman. So you know what? Coach Sean McDermott, you get slashed because of, to me, 
the bonehead move that was made to put Nathan Peterman in when your team is the second best team in your division and you're five and four. There is no rhyme or reason to why you did it other than selfish reasons and thinking, because you because you heard him say, this is for the betterment of the football team. This team needs to get better. For whatever reason, better is. If that was better, and if we want to raise the excuse of, oh, it was just his first game, he's a rookie. Well, you don't try. You don't do the trial and error right now in the, in the midst of having a chance to be a team that gets into the postseason by a wild card. You don't do the trial and error thing right now. So for me right now, this whole entire front office and coach McShawn McDermott, and for him saying the things that he says, he's getting slashed on every level. He's slashed for the next three weeks. Go ahead. It was tough to watch and tough to listen to on TuneIn Premium, but take a look at the standings in the AFC Cordell. Mathematically, Buffalo still in great shape to be that second wild card. Let's just talk about the psyche, the emotion of this football team. How big of a setback was what happened yesterday in Southern California? Huge, huge, huge. Because now the, 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 the confidence of Nathan Peterman is shot. I think the energy of his offensive line and, and the defensive players, the guys, especially the ones who didn't necessarily agree 100% with the decision but wrote it because they believe in their head coach, I, I honestly think that the confidence is shot because guess who they have coming up next? Kansas City, who we know struggled. But still, that's a must win for the Buffalo Bills. Then after that, they have to play within their division. Four times out of the next five games they have to play in their division. New England twice, Miami twice, and Indy, who had, on any given Sunday or any game day, they can walk away with the victory because we've seen how tough they played all year long. So with that being said, I don't think it's going to get any easier. You think they just lost three games. I can see them losing two of the next three games moving forward and losing the next two, especially if Tyrod Taylor is not the starter of this offense. You mentioned Miami. Safe to say, at this stage of the season, the Jay Cutler experiment was a massive failure because prior to his head injury, and he wound up leaving the game in the concussion protocol, Cordell, he could do virtually nothing right yesterday. Three terrible interceptions. And Matt Moore, once more, came off the bench and was a catalyst for this team, even though they lost to the Bucks at home. Yeah, and, and, and here's my problem. Matt Moore comes in and puts up 282 yards. Come on, man. That's another, that's another bonehead decision in my mind by Adam Gates because that was one of my number one questions of the year, which was why would you bring a guy out of the booth to give him a one-year $10 million deal? I can understand if you have him as a safety valve because Ryan Tannehill is injured. I get that because he won't be able to play for the year. But when you really think about this offense and what they were able to do last year with Matt Moore as the quarterback on this team, I thought they played some good football with Matt Moore. I know when he went to the postseason, they lost. A lot of teams lost in the first game in the wildcard game of the postseason last year. They played against a strong Pittsburgh Steelers football team in Pittsburgh, inclement weather, coming out of Miami, where everything has ever been of 70 to 80-something odd degrees. Not making excuses, but it is what it is. They just didn't play good enough to win that football game. But yet you have Matt Moore, who had an opportunity to get himself prepared for a just-in-case moment to be the quarterback on this team if something happened to Ryan Tinehill. Adam Gaze goes over the head of Matt, Matt, Matt Moore and go and grab Jake Cutler, the guy who was ready to go in the booth, the guy who really was basically traveling with his family, you know, getting his body prepared to sit in a nice high boy chair, get his suits and his ensembles and everything together, get his goatee or his beard, whatever he's rocking on television, to sit right next to our good friend Charles Davis. And what ends up happening? He reneges on the deal and he goes in the opposite direction. And what he does, he stinks up the joint. Throws three interceptions yesterday. 
Now you want to go to Matt Moore. And now Matt Moore is playing pissed, literally. He's frustrated. You see how angry he was. You saw how intense he was. You saw the passion he played with. To me, Jay Cutler hadn't done a single thing other than showed up, made some money, and put on a number six Miami Dolphins uniform and filled that void for Ryan Tannehill because Adam Gaze, who's been trying to find answers for this team, got rid of one of the better players on the team, and he's having a heck of a freaking year. Cast last couple games in Jay Ajayi by going to Philadelphia. You tell me how bad of an issue was that? Or how whose fault was that to give him up? That player who's played better than all the other running backs they actually have there in Philadelphia and watching that game last night with the Dallas Cowboys. So Adam Gaze, if it comes down to it, in the end, when you're trying to find answers, the answers are within you. And you've made a whole bunch of bad ones, buddy. You made a bad one and just now letting Jay Ajayi go. So you're slashed for that. And then you have this guy right here, Jake Cutler, the cool guy, the laid back and reserve guy, guy that no one understands. He comes in and stinks up the joint. Now you want to go to Matt Moore. I would be mad too. You know what? I would be mad. Matter of fact, when I throw my touchdowns and throw my yardage, I would walk on the opposite end of, of the bench and go behind the coolers and push a couple down just to let you know how frustrated <laughs> I am. I'll pull the Antonio Brown. I'll do it on a, on a sneak tip and knock him down all the Gatorade. I'll make them all mad and say, oh, my bad. It was an accident. But I slashed the Miami Dolphins and Adam Gaze for this performance by Jay Cutler because this is not Jay Cutler's fault because we know who Jay Cutler is. This is Adam Gaze for allowing this to happen. And this was another team that was positioned to potentially have a chance to be five and five or best case scenario, six and four, worst case, five and five. But because of the quarterback position, they're not capable, capable of playing well. So there's two coaches so far right now, as of today, that's been slashed. That's Sean McDermott for that bonehead move of putting Nathan Peterman in over Tyrod Taylor, who's only thrown three interceptions in nine games. And what did you get out of this young kid in the first eight attempts? Four in, in, out of eight attempts, and he got five in the first half. And then this guy right here, Adam Gaze, with this kid, number six, with Jake Cutler playing. And Jake Cutler is, 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 to me, nowhere near as good, in my mind, for his game planning around the Matt Moore. Give him a chance and give him an opportunity. But they're doing it because they have no choice. And this is the second time Matt Moore, man, run it on him. Run it. Because right now, Jake Cutler's in the concussion protocol. Hope he's good. I hope he's good. Because it's not Jake Cutler's fault. Again, I said it. It's not his fault. Adam Gaze, the reason why you guys are not succeeding is because you're not making good decisions when it comes down to your team. You let Jay Ajayi go. He's actually going to probably end up winning that division and have home field advantage and may end up, unless the Saints just keep on doing their damage, they're going to end up being one of the better teams and one of the favorites to go to a Super Bowl. And then what are you going to say about that? Well, you're going to say you made a, made a mistake or you're going, to, you're going to gaze over that one and keep moving forward and say, you know what, I have to worry about my team only. Well, I'm going to bring it up to you if I see you. I'm going to say, hey, Adam Gaze, how's Jay Ajayi doing right now? What do you think about that guy? He slashed. Go ahead, Brian. I like what you did there with Adam Gase gazing yes. over the landscape. Well That's done, right. my friend. You are wordsmith. Because we are metaphorically slashing things, it doesn't have to be negative. We can use those scissors to make confetti. So do you want to celebrate the Saints' incredible comeback, winning in overtime? They were down 15 with five minutes to go. Eight consecutive victories. Or carve up Washington for their inability to close things out on the road. Well, you know what? I'm going to change it up a little bit because we're still going to be in that game. I was going to slash the heck out of freaking the Washington Redskins, but we know they've been inept. You know what? We know they've been inept because, as you mentioned, Kirk Cousins, he's just a guy. Okay? He puts up good numbers, but he's just a guy. Can't close the deal. But you know what? That guy in number nine, the, the, the Drew Breezy for Reezy, the guy number nine? How about this guy? 
they're down 15 points. He goes in the, the two, the last two possessions. This guy goes 11 of 11. He puts up two TDs and he beats this football team. Trust me. At the end of the day, when you watch this New Orleans Saints football team play the way they are, they're playing with the type of confidence. And you ask me, was I drinking a Kool-Aid? I'm getting drunk off that Kool-Aid. And it's grape and lemonade, by the way. And there's no alcohol in it. I'm just full off off of it right now. This Saints football team to me right now is truthfully, and I got to be honest with you, they are probably the scariest team in the NFC, but no one's giving them enough credit because maybe, maybe, and I'll say maybe, maybe, is because it's the Saints and this defense has been so average over the years to where for some reason after the first two games, losing to the Minnesota Vikings, losing to the New England Patriots, they found something in some way to where this team has truly found ways to create turnovers on defense. The secondary is playing phenomenal. I think the rushing and pressure by the front four and also these linebackers being in their rush lanes, being where, they're, where the play is called for them to be, being there where they have to, but then all of a sudden, you end up looking at this offense that was led by Drew Brees when it comes to the passing game, having to put up 300-plus yards in the game, 200-plus yards on a consistent basis and be led by him. You end up seeing a game last week when they played against Buffalo. They did it on the ground. You saw it on the ground, and you said to yourself, and then the quarterback only put up 184 yards, and he didn't throw a single touchdown, and he beat the brakes off of the Buffalo Bills 47-10. And you said, okay, what direction is this offense going to go in now? Is, 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 is Sean Coach Sean Payton going to lose his mind and, and try to be too much of a genius and end up putting himself in position uh, uh, to lose the games? But then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we have Drew Brees, Drew Breezy Farizi. He comes back and he puts up 385 yards and throws, throws a touchdown or so to help this team actually play some phenomenal football. So for me, as I move forward, as I mentioned Philadelphia a second ago, I like Philadelphia, but we saw that kid number 11 struggle. We very rarely see number nine, who's a future Hall of Famer, struggle. This is my thing. If you had to talk about those two defenses and also put the Rams in that, in that conversation, but we saw what happened to the Rams because of my main man, my dude, Case Keenum. Give me a case of Minnesota Vikings. We saw what happened to the Rams. The Rams, they faltered a little bit to the point where we saw the running game of Minnesota play well. We saw the passing game, the Dinkin and Duncan, go well. We saw some special teams play against this Ram team go pretty well. So you see there's a glitch in the system. There we go. Case Keenum. You end up applying pressure on Jared Goff. Things can kind of fold just a little bit. But let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles and New Orleans Saints. And I'll get back to the Saints in a second because while slashing the Washington Redskins, I like to slash upward and talk about the New Orleans Saints. These two defenses are somewhat similar in the sense of how stingy they are. Stopping the run, stopping the pass, being able to create turnovers. But the Saints is a team that can get the turnovers and score touchdowns. We don't see too much of that for Philly. The running game by the New Orleans Saints, it's better than what Philadelphia has, even though Smallwood, uh, LeGarrette Blunt, as well as Jay Ajayi is capable of creating plays along with the quarterback. But we saw the low, let's just call it a low, by the quarterback, the young quarterback, and Carson Wentz and how he played yesterday. And if you were a feast of famine defense, what would you try to do? You would try to knock Carson Wentz off of his rocker, even though he's capable of moving in the pocket better than most. I would have to go to the experience of Drew Brees and say what he's capable of doing and what he's done if having to play in a very, very big game as we move forward. So 
you lean towards the New Orleans, New Orleans Saints, and being that they're a dome team, you also have that question mark. Could they travel on the road to a Philadelphia football team to actually play in that type of weather if Philly continues to play the way they are and also if the Saints continue, as well as the Rams even. I mean, the Rams is not out of this thing yet. So with saying all that, while wanting to slash the Washington Redskins, you know what? Because that's an easy way out. You know, that, that's a soft way to go because that's so easy. How about slashing upward? Mm. on a team that no one's really given a chance to, but yet all they've done is is run eight off in a row. They've won eight in a row, and right now they're doing it with the defense, which is an extreme surprise. The running game, which is something that you can be excited about because this is the time where you want to do that. And also, Drew Brees at any time, he can actually walk over there in the kitchen and turn on that light switch to see all the good stuff on the stove with his receivers, the running game. He can look in an oven. And he see what's taking place with this defense. And at the end of the day, he can go in the microwave and see what's going on with the special teams. They even get involved, too. So I'm slashing upward with the New Orleans Saints and how well they came from behind with only a short time to go. 11 for 11, two TDs. Congratulations to the New Orleans Saints. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this. Hi, this is Ned Coletti from MLB on TuneIn, inviting you to check out my new audio book. The Big Chair. Today on TuneIn Premium. The day Frank McCourt made me the 10th general manager in the long, proud history of the Los Angeles Dodgers, November 15th, 2005, was monumental for the Coletti family. I've been blessed to spend the last 35 years in Major League Baseball, all with iconic franchises. The Cubs, the Giants, and the Dodgers, where I was a general manager for nine seasons. In The Big Chair, I let listeners in on the intricacies of being an executive and a GM of a major sports franchise. Share the process behind the trades free agency, and the deals, shedding some light on how the money and decision-making really works. I'll also take you deep inside some of the thought process behind some of the major decisions that led to success and titles, along with heartbreak and failure. If you're a baseball fan, come for the inside and grit. If you're a sports fan, stay for the heart. Catch every exciting chapter of my new audiobook, The Big Chair, today on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, it's time for Cordell and I to go on the record with what we are more than sure is going to happen on Monday Night Football. It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. Before we talk significant injuries, let's hear from Russell Wilson on the challenge of matching up against a... Atlanta defense that sacked Dak Prescott eight times last week. They're really running well. They, they think about the linebackers run well and the defensive linemen even too. They look at Beasley on, on, on film and he's running all over the place making plays. And, you know, so a lot of that is, um, a lot of that is, you know, I think they're coached really well, but I also think they have a lot of tremendous talent. For us, we just have to make our plays and be consistent, keep our drives alive, find ways to run the football at an efficient rate. When we have our chance to make our game altering plays, we got to make them. Partners, some big names will be missing tonight. No Devontae Freeman for the Falcons. He's in the concussion protocol for the Legion of Boom. They're battered. No Richard Sherman. No Cam Chancellor. Who wins tonight and why? I tell you what, man. I know the Atlanta Falcons is is riding high off of a a good win against the Dallas Cowboys. I get that. Uh, The Seahawks team is, is struggling somewhat when it comes down to injuries. But they're playing at home. 
Uh, so I'm still going to go out on a limb, and I'm still going to ride with the Seattle Seahawks football team regardless. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid of Atlanta. I know they may look like they have the better team. I know the injuries may stick out like a sore thumb to make you wonder, but you still have the, the human joystick, the Nintendo human joystick. And number three, Russell Wilson. This guy's pretty darn heroic when it comes down to it, and he's been doing it by himself. So I'm going to sit here and I'm still stick with this defense that I think they don't have a few pieces but still are good. They'll find a way. But I'll rock with that guy number three on the other side in the Seattle Seahawks. What's the final score? It's going to be close. I think it'll be like a 17-14 game Seattle. I'll be Captain Obvious. Atlanta's actually favored in this game, so I'll go with the chalk. Going to be tight, going to be interesting. Falcons win it. 24-21, and we'll break it down with you tomorrow right here on the NFL on TuneIn. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.